0: Welcome to another one of our financial well-being podcasts I'm sitting here in Bud towers in the leafy suburb of backwell just outside Bristol uh, with producer Tomo and uh, my friend Chris Bud say hello Chris say hello Tomo well I'll go first hello David how are you I'm well I'm all right I'm just getting over a bit of flu actually a little bit cold yeah I'm just still a little bit and when I say flu I don't mean that man flu which you mean is just proper the back- stuff I mean proper flu. Yeah. I mean fluey flu <laughs> uh, which I've had for most of January but uh, I am I think touching wood which I am doing now a great radio this
1: uh, feeling a lot better now. good pleased to hear it well I'm currently in I, I, my Facebook status would be rather excited I think because on Tuesday uh, I go to Sri Lanka um, my daughter is on a cricket tour over there so obviously she needed me to go along and carry her bags for her didn't she so uh, I am really looking forward to that very excited you've been to Sri Lanka indeed. no I haven't it's on my list of places that I'd love to go I've to only good things have you been to Sri Lanka Tommy?
2: no but I, I do like you I've heard only good things I think one of our I hope listeners Rohan if you're listening um, he's been there many a time Rohan Sivajoti they've got great names as well the Sri Lankas haven't they of course the issue with Sri Lanka is it's not it's not
0: a cheap place to go to so for Tomo in order for him to be able to go there I think he'd probably need some sort of increase in his wage for example. <laughs> pay rise for
1: Toba. Uh, I think so. Put a hashtag in front of it and I think yeah, we got something well. there. It, it works yeah. well doesn't it yeah. Do you know what? I'm looking forward for reasons that will become clear in future podcasts to so having this come, in, come back again because uh, there are changes of foot that will make that hashtag look rather ironic <laughs> More He's getting on... a pay rise <laughs> <laughs> or he's getting the sack. One of the two <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? More on that enigmatic statement to come in future podcasts Excellent. So uh, what's on today? podcast, Chris. On today's podcast, David, we are going to have a look at the pleasure of delaying The idea came from a book that I've been reading called Happy Money by Elizabeth Dunn and Michael Norton, uh, chapter four, if anybody wants to have a little read of it. And I just think it's a very interesting concept for us to talk about. There's a bit of bit of mileage there in talking about delaying consumption, delaying consumption. Well, Well, I've got recent experience
0: of that, actually, uh, delaying consumption, because I've delayed my consumption of alcohol by a whole
1: month because I've recently done dry January. We're recording this at the beginning of February. So no, i was just coming really ate, out of that. I thought Amy from Amy's Winehouse locally, I thought that she was looking a bit depressed recently. Sales have gone down. Always a tough time <laughs> for the uh, off license trade. Of course, not everybody who's listening to this podcast um, lives in Backwell. I think we should just repeat the best name of a shop in all time ever, Amy's Winehouse. Exactly, run by, Amy. run by Amy and her mum, Dawn. <laughs> yeah, absolutely fantastic. Great
0: <laughs> shop as well. Well, well done you. I bet you saved a fortune. Uh, I, I did. I reckon I've saved oh, 250 quid, something like that. So um, is that going to go on something useful? Well, I just haven't spent it at the moment. I tell you what, it has gone on. Is some of it will go towards paying off my credit card, there which I managed to build up a little bit <laughs> just Christmas. before <laughs> Christmas. All yes. the you it. <laughs> So um, yes, actually, it, it, I, I've noticed a difference in terms of having a little bit more disposable income. So that's been very welcome. Well done, you. So last episode saw the natural drawing to a close of the foreign words that have no direct translation section, basically because I think we'd run out of words. Uh, So any thoughts
1: about what we're going to do next for another feature, Chris? Well, I'm looking to our listeners uh, for some some help with that, David. Um, I thought of a book review section, possibly, uh, focusing on books about money, but I haven't actually read that many. (laughs) You haven't read but you're bookshelf which is just behind you is absolutely lined with books your whole (laughs) house is full of books yeah but i don't know about you when i read business books and and non-fiction i tend to dip in and out of most of them or stop when i think when i've got the general idea so we could have a section entitled chris reviews books about money and happiness based upon the first chapter of each book only yeah, you see, I just don't read those books—non-fiction books, self-help <laughs> Apart from books, the financial well-being book, of course, which David. Which, of course, no.
0: Generally speaking, I tend not to read those books. I tend to more often read fiction, unless I do a, a regular book review slot on Radio Bristol. So sometimes, and I you're might, forced to. I might dip. Well, no, I might. I actually choose to dip into something. I've just bought a new book, actually, by called Voices by a guy called Nick Coleman, who I was at university with. He's a music journalist, and it's basically a book about his
1: favorite singer so I'm looking forward to reading that well, a review of that in future podcasts yes you may well, well do that's one thing we could do we could we could do some book reviews hmm. um, or we could answer listeners questions
0: oh yes but then in order for us to be able to do that we would need questions from listeners so that's true how can we get them to do that Chris Tomo can
2: you reveal all I can um, several formats so we're all on Twitter uh, but the best handle to use would be at finwellbeing You can go on the website, which is uh, financialwell-being.co.uk. And there's a link there, which is contact at financialwell-being.co.uk. And also, you can go on iTunes, you can leave reviews, which would be great. um, But in there, you can ask any questions you might have. Um, Obviously, everything positive, um, because we want to go up (laughs) the ratings, not down. Um, Is there an email address? Yeah, the the contact at financialwow-being.co.uk. I'll put it all on the show notes afterwards. So see, there is a reason why he's here. Yeah. I often wonder why he turned up. <laughs> well, we need somebody to make the tea, really.
0: <laughs>
1: that was me. Oh, actually, that's that's, true. even that's
0: not working. <laughs> So, yes, we want to hear from you, please, uh, listeners. We just need to know you're out there, really. <laughs>
1: there is some point to this whole thing. Uh, another idea I had was possibly great characters from literature who are obsessed with money. Scrooge. Yeah. Um, that's probably it, really, isn't it? Possibly Mr. Micawber. So, in fact, what you're actually saying is great characters from Dickens who are obsessed with money. <laughs> I think this could be a fairly short-lived feature, actually, <laughs> don't you? Um, I did have one tweet that I'd like to share with you both, uh, which is a bit of, bit of fun. So... Um, this podcast is going out just a week or so before the end of the tax year. Now, Ollie Smith is a financial journalist for a publication for financial advisors called New Model Advisor, uh, at 93 underscore smithereens on Twitter. He did a great piece on excuses that people have given for why people have failed to submit their tax returns on time. So here are Ollie's top five excuses for not filling out a tax return. Number one, I spilled coffee all over the tax return. Which I think is great because if you put smoke copy on it, obviously that means it's finished forever. You can't do another one. Can you? <laughs> <laughs> well, I once actually was um, out uh,
0: playing golf. In fact, living in my previous house, came back. I was doing my tax returns and everything was laid out all over my uh, desk in my study. When I came back, I discovered that two young neighbourhood tow rags had broken into my house and burgled it and completely trashed all the documents by pouring orange juice on them and screwing them up and throwing them around the room. Uh, and so, indeed, my tax return was... Uh, I had to go back and unroll and unravel all of the receipts and invoices, and, but I still submitted my tax
1: return on time. There we go. You see, it's not really an excuse, is it, to say that somebody spilled coffee over it. Um, I quite like this, like this one. My ex-wife left my tax return upstairs, but I suffer from vertigo and can't go upstairs to retrieve it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, there's a bit of honesty here for this person's excuse for not filling a tax return on time my business doesn't really do anything (laughs) (laughs) then we have um, I couldn't file my tax return on time as my wife has been seeing aliens and won't let me enter the house That's absolutely brilliant, but rather bizarre insight into somebody else's life. (laughs) And then, David, one for you. Um, I I, I need to do this in an actory voice. I don't think I can quite do it justice, but I can't submit my tax return on time because I've been far too busy touring the country with my one-man show.
0: (laughs) Well, that can be very time-consuming, not just in terms of time, but energy
1: and emotional investment, Chris, into (laughs) into the craft of acting. I think we should have a podcast about money for actors. Acting and money. Uh, yes, actually, that would be a very interesting uh, subject
0: because there's a lot less money around for actors than a lot of people would have you believe. Yes.
1: I don't think I believe there is a great deal, actually. <laughs> Across all of them, there's a lot at the top and not a lot for everybody else. That's would that right. be a summary? Yeah.
2: yeah. Do you know, I just had a thought. If we have any younger listeners, now don't tell your teachers I told you this, but you could adapt some of these and use them for your homework if you haven't done it. I'd love my 16 year old to go in and say, I'm
1: very sorry, but I'm not, my homework's late, but I've been too busy touring the country with my one man show. Uh, <laughs>
0: somebody at my school once came in and said, Sir, 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 I wrote my homework on the bus, but then they washed the bus, and therefore I don't have the homework anymore. <laughs>
1: <laughs> We all laughed. He got a detention. Yeah. <laughs> Teachers with a no sense of humor. Right? Yeah. So we might follow this theme for a few podcasts, see if it, if it sticks, it becomes a feature. Something like human flaws when it comes to money. We need a better title for it from that. So perhaps you can have a think. We'll about be it. guided by you listeners. Get those ideas coming in. Right. Okay.
0: Now it's time to move on to another one of our regular features that we are sticking with that I can't ever see going away because the letters of complaint we would have would be just Legion. And that is, of course... Tight Ask Tomo, a feature that's been prompted by the parsimonious uh, outlook of our producer Tomo uh, in terms of the way in which he chooses to approach his attitude to money. So don't forget the hashtag for that, hashtag Tight Ask Tomo. If you're on Twitter, let us have your ideas. Chris.
1: Yeah, I've got one to start with. Uh, my son, who is 14, um, was telling me that one of his friends has started by Multipacks things like Lucasaid and Whisper chocolate bars, taking them to school and selling them individually at a profit, which I think that's quite quite clever, quite um, entrepreneurial well, or exactly actually. Well, exactly, if there's a market there. Yeah. I, when I was a kid, I used to um, go to... My, my father worked for a big pension company called Target Life. And I used to go in on a Saturday with him and I used to go to the storeroom <laughs> i come out with armfuls, with his knowledge, armfuls of stationery, uh, folders and pens and all the letter openers. And I'd take them to school and I'd sell them. And I always remember um, speaking to Robert Kingston, and saying, Robert, would you like a folder? And he looked at this folder, and he said, uh, well, how much? I said, pound fifty. Well, oh, it cost me three quid in the school shop. All right. And this person stood next to me and said, don't do it. Don't do it, Robert. He gets them for free. And I said, look. And Robert looked at him and said, well, but it's half price for me. I don't care how much money he's making out of it. Oh, I always thought that was quite interesting. The mindset of somebody said, I won't buy it from you because I know you're making money. Yes, that is strange, isn't it? Is that a jealousy? Is that a... Oh, who knows room. what it is? I That's just did it's bizarre. Them.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so obviously, you started your uh, your uh, desire to make money and look after money and uh, think about financial well being at an early age.
2: I've always been thinking about financial well being, David. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't <laughs> it tell? <laughs> but but there might be a bit of a flaw it to is. this salon of Chris of multipacks. I wonder if there's any left, Chris, that might be out of date? What would you do with them? <laughs> mm. <laughs> gold. That's <laughs> yeah, And
0: also, the, it also <laughs> specifically says, all right,
2: multipack not to be sold That's separately. That's true. Well, there is a story behind this. Chris, do you want to, or no, should I no, take it? you this? Carry on, mate. So, Chris walks into the office at Ovation where, where we both work and. Triumphantly puts, puts down a load of crisps and it. it said, What do you want those crisps, Chris? I said, oh, it's for you guys. It's for you guys. I'm just giving back. I'm a good boss. <laughs> it kind of turns out that his family don't like salt and vinegar or prawn cocktail. <laughs> but anyway, those crisps are there. Well, great. What a lovely, generous thing to do. So we opened the pa- packet of crisps up and I took one bite. and I thought, This, this tastes a bit funny. And then my colleague Adrian takes one look at them and looks at the sale by date. Six months out of date. <laughs>
0: So, that is significant, six months. I yeah, thought, rather,
2: rather than being generous, he's actually trying to poison us. So I just thought <laughs> I'd let the listeners know about that particular story. I so, couldn't be selling them to you. Yeah. I did at least give them to you. Which actually surprised
0: us that you were giving them rather than selling them. So yeah. come to Chris Bud for financial advice, strongly recommended. Come to Chris Bud for crisps, not. <laughs> right. right, we've had a great tip via Twitter from uh, Chris at anchors 43 who says... A pub were giving a free pint of Guinness for every person who signed up. I was going on a stag do, so signed up with three emails. Make sure when we went to that pub it was my round and I used the free vouchers. <laughs> well, that's great, isn't it? You'd be proud of that one. So, <laughs> enough of this silliness. What is, drumroll please, the hashtag Titus Tomo tip of the
2: week? Wow, this week I think it might be the most middle-class tip we've ever had. So... Um, Chatting to a friend of mine, Alicia Rumbelow, hi Rumbas, she listens, um, and she said, Tom, I've got to tell you about this app for your tight ass Tomo t- uh, tip of the week. I said, oh, okay, go on. And it's Hows and it's an app, and that's H-O-U-Z-Z. And the idea is, is, you know when you do an interior design, I don't, in your house, when you do an interior design. I don't think anybody here knows what you're talking about. <laughs> no, I do, I, I challenge that oh, sorry, David. actually, <laughs> Christopher. Just me. Um, and you buy all these magazines to help you plan it all, and it could be quite costly, they're not cheap magazines to buy. Well, this particular app, brings all of those ideas in a free way to, to, to be able to get access to all these ideas so you're not spending any money on these magazines. So it's kind of like Pinterest, if you've ever heard that, but for interior design. Wow, well, that is really middle class, <laughs> isn't it? That is very middle
0: class. Well, I've been considering remodelling my ensuite suite bathroom, so maybe go. I might give Hows a go. There so you you're go. telling
1: me that this app takes the
2: magazines, says, don't bother buying them, we'll just take all the pictures and put them on our app? Pretty much. Now, I have to make a confession. It's not something I've looked at in great detail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It doesn't sound like something that might have a great longevity to me, yeah. to be honest with you. Yeah. Well, it's there at the moment. Check it out. Yeah, <laughs> it go. yeah, But I thought I'd share that one as it was shared with me. Thank you very
0: much, Tom. OK, enough of this mindless bantz. Chris, the pleasure from delaying consumption. Now, I'm not sure I like the sound of that. So, what have you got in mind?
1: OK, to start with, then... I think it's probably worth doing a quick recap. Um, let's look at how we spend our money and how that affects our financial well being, because that will bring us up to the starting point of why the pleasure from delaying conception is, a, is a, of interest. In the book and in previous podcasts, we've suggested that a good starting point is to work out your subsistence expenditure. Now, that word subsistence, it means the amount of money you need to spend in order to have a happy life, your basic expenditure. But it's a happy life. So it's going to include accommodation, food, clothes, but it's also going to include a holiday and bacon and important things like books, you know. (laughs) Well, that leaves a lot of leeway for
0: people. Uh, For example, Chris, you clearly don't spend very much on clothes, whereas Tomo... Clearly does. Thank you, David.
1: Well, these things
0: are noticed, yeah, Tomo. I'm you. wearing
1: a cashmere jumper from John Lewis. I'm quite proud of this, actually. Not the tank top. No, I've got a tank top on today. Um, <laughs> but you know, so listeners might not understand what Tomo refers to there. In our industry, I've attended two conferences wearing a tank top, and now I seem to have the, <laughs> the reputation that all I ever wear is a tank top. Hey. Did you ever know watch the film Old School. Remember Frank the Tank?
2: <laughs> Do <you ever> remember <laughs> Must be a that? young person. So. Yeah.
1: There's a chap called Gary Hale uh, at Gary G-A-R-R-Y Hale, and he was at one of our conference industry conferences wearing a tank top. And somebody walked up to him and said, "Excuse me, are you Chris Bud?" <laughs> <laughs> well, Chris, it's
0: great though to have that unique feature. You know, <laughs> Superman's got a cape, Batman's
1: got his utility belt. You've got you your tank top. Got my tank top. There we go. So I I spend too much money on music and meals out, I reckon. Everyone's going to be different, but the important thing is spend a bit of time working out what your subsistence expenditure figure is. Just approximately. We don't have to be exact about this, but just get an idea.
2: Well, what's interesting, I've noticed when people do financial planning in general, is when they start to get a bit more of an idea of what they want the future to look like and the cost of that, they actually keep going back to this expenditure figure and working out, actually, what can I save now that will maybe bring some of those things I want to do in the future a bit closer. You know, maybe putting it into savings or whatever that might be. So uh, the whole process of financial planning will get you back to this expenditure figure. It's kind of a full circle thing going on there. So once you've got that subsistence expenditure
1: figure, any income above that is therefore available to spend, disposable income, perhaps for fun, or as Tombo says, to bring the chosen future closer. Uh, now, we've been here before,
2: haven't we? We've talked about this before. Yeah, we did. Uh, episode five, um, we looked at the ways in which you can spend your disposable income to maximise your well-being. That's right, and I seem to
0: recall that we agreed spending money on experiences is better than buying stuff.
1: Exactly, and that's because spending money on stuff brings well-being only for as long as you are using the stuff, whereas experiences create memories that are much longer lasting. Okay, well
0: actually there is, uh, just before I came to record this, um, the, my monitor on my PC, uh, packed in, so I'm going to have to go and buy another one of those. So, does that count
1: as stuff? That counts as stuff, but um, there should be a third category, shouldn't there? Usable stuff. Yeah, well, stuff that you absolutely need. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so that's in your subsistence level of income, I would uh, yes. suggest. Okay, so that's the recap. That just brings us back up to speed. So I was flicking through a book called Happy Money by a couple of people called Elizabeth Dunn and Michael Norton. The subtitle of the book is The New Science of Smarter Spending. And chapter four particularly caught my eye. As we like to help people spend their money in smarter ways, I thought this seemed right up our alley. When you say in smarter ways, uh, could you give us an example of that? Well, take that subsistence level of income... Once, as Tomo said, you've been around looking at what the future might be, you go back over the things that make up your subsistence level of income and you might decide, actually, I don't need that extra pair of shoes or the, all the CDs that I tend to buy, you know, that, that sort of stuff. Now, we live in an age not only of consumerism. This is a point that they make in the book. We live in an age of instant consumerism. Films, game music, everything is pretty much instant on your phone or streaming on your telly. Or if it isn't, it's next day delivery worst. And we've therefore completely lost the enjoyment of anticipation. Well, I
0: think that's very true. And I I mean, I'm always coming up with these things that make me seem really old, probably because I am. (laughs) But (laughs) now, if it's something I want to watch on television, so The Crown season two recently came out. I love The Crown season one. And so there it was. Ten hours of it, I just watched it all back to back. Whereas back in the day, if there was something on TV, I'm thinking of an example, events... I used to television. run home from
1: the pub, the spitting image, every week. I yeah, would okay. never or,
0: or Edge of Darkness,
1: Ooh. which was something
0: that was on back in the uh, 80s. And it was like must-see television. You would make sure that you were in front of a TV when that was on. And going back a little bit further before video recorders you had to because if you didn't there watch it there and there there was no other way of watching
2: it imagine
1: telling a young person that if you don't watch that program at the allotted time you will never ever be able to watch it again how does that seem to you tommy
2: i think we can all agree life is a lot better now
1: (laughs) (laughs) well it's different now i mean
2: it's
0: certainly there are advantages obviously to having things on demand having them when you want them but i think there's also a
1: lot to be said sometimes for that thrill of anticipation i used to be a member of something called the britannia music club basically some mail order records and they had a record of the month that you'd get for free and then you could order extra ones so if i ordered a record it could be three weeks before it arrived and i could distinctly remember running home from school to see if this album clash london calling had arrived or not um the the only trouble was it quite often was the wrong one <laughs> so instead of opening my box and finding london calling i found asia which is one of the worst records i've ever heard in my life but the anticipation of that event happening is what we're talking about so i want to just try something out here on you david i want you to think of something that you bought that you were excited about that you'd planned on buying um Something in the... Oh, I think, all right, it was a surround
0: sound system for my television. So it had uh, small speakers at the front and then big speakers at the back. I was very excited about the prospect of buying that.
1: And that took a while to arrive?
0: Uh, Or you planned it? No, I planned it. It took me a while to research it and work out which the best one was I was going to get. Then it took me a while to justify to myself (laughs) spending the money on it. And then I think all everything aligned at the same time. I think I got a chunk of money and I wasn't expecting, and I
1: thought, right, I'm going to go and buy that thing now, and I did. Okay, so um, the listeners may wish to do this, the same thing. Think of something you were really looking forward to, something you had to save up for. So try and remember the feeling of excitement and anticipation leading up to the buying of the thing. Now compare that to the level of excitement of enjoyment once you actually had it. Now, it's very interesting you say that because... The excitement was
0: palpable the fact that when i first thought about getting one i couldn't actually well i probably could afford it but i couldn't justify spending the money on it Uh, then eventually i got one i brought it back it was very fiddly to set up lots of this is about five years ago lots of wires that needed plugging in at the back of the tv and i got it all set up and it sounded good but actually it wasn't the sort of cinematic surround sound experience that I expected it would, and then and then the two rear speakers stopped working because I think and then, I think it turned out the dog had unplugged one of the <laughs> cables. But I would say, and in dog. the end, it became a bit of it became a bit of a pain, and uh, and. Uh, about two years ago, I got one of these sound bars that goes uh, underneath my TV, which is actually a much better sound system. So I gave the surround, system, surround sound system to my son, and he went, oh, thanks, Dad. Really yeah. <laughs> so he got excited until he, he received it. Exactly. So he said, oh, that's fantastic, Dad. I've always wanted one of these. Well, I went round to see him at his flat the other day. It was tucked away in a cupboard. <laughs> and I said, oh, you're not using that. He said, no, actually, it wasn't very good.
2: <laughs> Do you so know? I, I could think of a really good example of waiting for something i always think the annual holiday you know the big holiday you go with away with a family that's often booked in advance and the anticipation leading up to that i think that's as close as i can think now of having that excitement because like you said, you've got your amazon prime where you click a button and it's with you the next day and i'm kind of feeling as holidays is about the only thing left in my life where i'm excitedly waiting for it we um we've really
1: enjoyed the stranger things on Netflix, the programme with my kids. absolutely loved it. And um, for a year, they've been looking forward to the next series coming out. So that's that feeling of anticipation is what we're talking about. The well-being you get from looking forward to something. Holidays is a great example, Tom. Um, there's a really interesting study done in the Netherlands back in 2010. They studied around 1,500 people, some of whom were going on holiday and some who weren't. Now, those going on, on holiday reported greater happiness pre-trip than those who weren't. And yet both reported the same level of happiness after the trip mm. so those who are the holiday will of course still have the snaps to look at and the memories but the difference beforehand was 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 significant yeah i think there's certainly that
0: thing about looking forward to a holiday you make a very good point there Tomo, about how that is by definition unless you go let's go away on holiday tomorrow something that you need to plan and you have to wait for we've just booked a week in spain in june and I'm already really excited about that. I'd love to go now, because I'd love to feel the sun on my back and all of that, the feelings you have in the middle of it in English winter. But I'm going to have to wait. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's, yeah, really... A bit like Christmas as well, which is a fixed point in the year. Is that waiting in happy anticipation, or the yeah. opposite? But... Well, it is for me. It may not be for you. It may not be for everybody. That's because
1: you've not been a good boy, though, Tom. But, you, yeah, yeah, uh, but, you, can't, but you can't bring Christmas forward, can you? Christmas is Christmas. There's a... a, a... That's more sombre note, just to strike on this as well, which um, they make in the book, which I just thought was a fascinating comment, which is about people thinking about suicide. Um, and they make the point that when somebody is feeling suicidal, it is typically not negative thoughts that bring people to such a point. It's the absence of positive thoughts. Which is a really interesting concept. Mm. Um, We see my mum every uh, other weekend. My brother sees her in between. Um, And we always do something. We take her out somewhere. And I've just realised we tend to phone her up on Saturday morning and tell her what we're doing. Well, now I phone her up on the Monday or Tuesday and tell her what we're going to be doing. So she's got something to look forward to. It's a little stuff like that. It's having positive thoughts. Mm. I get
0: the point. So um, is there anything that we can practically do Uh, to help
1: increase our well-being? This is tricky because our natural inclination is that we want things now. Even though studies show that a delay increases satisfaction, knowing this doesn't change the fact we'd still rather have it now. So I've been trying to think of a few suggestions. If you guys want to chip in with extra ones, then then feel free. Um, Some of these come out of the book. Some of these are my own invention. Um, First of all, take a sheet of paper, and at the top, write down the thing that you're saving for, Okay. Now, if it's a holiday, then add a picture of the chosen destination, cut and paste it, um, or maybe even literally paste it onto a piece of paper. If it's uh, working less, perhaps somebody wants to um, work a few hours so they can sit at the table and have tea with the kids, add a picture of the family. If it's to have some money to set up your own business, add a few bullet points outlining your vision for that business. Whatever it is that you're saving up for, it could be multiple things, Stick that thing to somewhere that you will always see it, such as your fridge door, where you keep your car keys, or behind your computer. And it will make it much more real, the thing that you're looking forward to. Another idea is naming your bank accounts. Um, This is quite easy to do with online banking these days, I think. And if your savings account is instead called the Financial Freedom Account or Trip to Machu Picchu account, you're far more likely to enjoy the process of
0: saving towards it. That's a great idea, Mm. uh, as opposed to looking at it and going the the oh my God account. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got one called my tax bill account. and It's very depressing
1: putting money into there. <laughs> yes,
0: yeah, strangely enough, I have one as well, which I call my tax
2: account, but I just put money in there because I have to, rather than because I want to. <laughs> yeah, but surely there's some peace of mind knowing that it's being done and it's there and you've got an amount set aside. Exactly right, yes. And I never used to do that, and that's one of the things I've learned over the years, to just
0: make sure that that money is put aside. And that means you don't get unpleasant surprises mm-hmm. When, when the
1: tax bill comes. Another aspect of this is the idea of separating the moment of payment from the moment of consumption. Being told the price of something whilst you're having it can take the edge off it. So for example, if I go to an expensive restaurant, which is not that common, I struggle to really enjoy the meal if I don't think the price justifies the quality. So I've got an idea for restaurant owners. Why not charge me at the time that I book? I book somewhere and I phone up and I book for four people. right? So that will be whatever it is, £150, pounds, and I'll pay it all up front. And then when I go, the money's out the way. There's no looking at prices on a menu, and you can just enjoy the food for the food's sake.
0: Yes, yeah, so except that breaks down that basic supply and demand contract that you enter into with somebody. So the restaurateur could say, that's oh, all right, I've got his money now. I don't need to work very hard to... Engages custom, you then no longer have the right to say, Do you know what? That food was rubbish and I'm not going to pay for it or, or send it back. Yeah,
1: I don't think it would last very long though if they adopted that attitude. I think there would be a longevity issue uh, with that. It's a, it's a thought. I'm, there was a place in Bristol called, uh, was it collie's Supper Rooms? Oh, yes, I went there many years ago. I think ago. that was that sort of principle, wasn't it? Uh, okay, so it's not there now. Maybe I'm not proving my <laughs> point very well. <laughs> Another thing that goes against modern living, pay for everything in cash. Take out an amount of money that you've budgeted to spend at the beginning of the month, and when it's gone, it's gone. So of course the other end of the spectrum here is the credit card. Now credit cards are the opposite of pleasure from delayed consumption, because they're encouraging consuming now, but paying later. So actually, it's the complete opposite of what we're talking about. So they're they're a double devil, if you like. And there've been loads and loads of studies that show how credit cards encourage not only more spending, but reckless spending. And the study they quote in the book, Happy Money, which I absolutely loved. Researchers auctioned off baseball tickets to a bunch of business students, okay? baseball. Do you know do you know how many games of baseball constitute a season in America? Loads, isn't it? They play yeah. loads? Well, I know
2: it's a lot, but I don't know the figure. It's
1: something like 158. Wow. It's extraordinary. And they sell out every one. So they had some baseball tickets to a big game, and they auctioned them to a group of business students. One half of which were going to pay by cash, and the other half were going to pay by credit card. The average cash bid was $28. The average credit card bid was $60. Mm.
0: Wow. I can believe that. It's it's manana, isn't it? It's that mm. feeling of, well, that's all right, it's free money. I, I know yeah. I'll have to pay it back one day, but not now, so I don't need to worry about
1: that. And I've then, fallen into that trap myself. And then you build up credit card debts and it worries you, and it's yeah. it's the opposite of, of, of uh, well-being. But it's also the fact that it's hidden from your view. Another survey asked people to estimate their credit card bill. Every single person underestimated their credit card bill, and the average was by 30%. Wow. Isn't that amazing? So that's the problem with consume now, pay later. Uh, what we want to do is to increase financial well-being by pay now, consume later. It's better for budgeting, and it brings with it well-being from delaying consumption, anticipation, etc. That's the very definition
2: of a pension, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, that's pay, very true. yeah, pay now and spend later. A lot later. That's, yeah, a, that's no. the trouble. <laughs> Not much later for me. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Another tip which dovetails nicely with this theme of well-being from delaying consumption comes from our very own financial well-being book, which is that if you're tempted to buy something, um, maybe it's not absolutely necessary. It's not that subsistence income, but you really think, oh, I could really just like buy it. Don't buy it. Wait a week. And if after a week you still want it, buy it. This came from a friend of mine whose kids were always saying, I want that, I want that in the windows shop, you know. And he would say, if you tell me in two weeks time that you want it, I'll buy it for you. And of course the kids in two weeks time would have completely forgotten about the thing. But if on the odd occasion they did remember, well clearly they really wanted it, so he'd buy it for them. That's a risky game, but uh, (laughs) a, a good ploy, but risky. There's one important point to finish on here. Some might point out that paying now and consuming later is a waste of money, especially if it's a big outlay, such as a holiday. Um, somebody has suggested that rather than paying for the holiday now, keep your money in the bank or invest it and get interest or growth on the money until the moment you need it. That paying for it now is losing out on potential growth. Well, there's three answers to that. Firstly, you may be able to get a discount for paying for something early. It's always worth asking. Secondly, investments can go down as well as up, but most importantly, our objective with our money is to maximize our well-being. We are specifically trying to stop thinking of money as something that is only there to generate more money. Well, that's so true, and I've just booked a
0: holiday and I've paid
1: for it. So
0: uh, flights booked, paid for, the car hires booked and paid for, and that's great. So I know that whatever else happens, I'm going on holiday, and that to me is far more important to know that that's going to happen than the fact that I might save a few quid
1: by leaving it to the last minute. So now you can get a picture off the internet of wherever it is you are. Are you able to tell us where you're going? Spain. So take a picture off the internet of of Spain, put on a piece of paper, 10 of them and plaster them all over your kitchen walls and then you can be looking forward to it. Exactly. And I am going
0: to also, um, I have a spare bank account knocking around and I'm going to call that fantastic holiday or whatever and I'm going to put money regularly and you can that. put the money you save from not drinking wine in January into exactly it. and possibly extend that into February as well that, Who that knows? <laughs> anyway we've talked about an awful lot of stuff today some of it complete nonsense but some of it I think quite useful and interesting as ever it's been a pleasure to share some time with producer Tombo and Chris and uh, please join us again next time for another financial well-being podcast
1: If you want to be notified of upcoming podcasts, make sure you click the subscribe button. For more information on the topics discussed in today's podcast and to purchase a copy of the Financial Wellbeing book, please visit www.financialwell-being.co.uk. We'd love to hear your thoughts and ideas on financial well-being. You can send us an email at contact at financialwell-being.co.uk.
2: You can follow us on Twitter at finwellbeing, Chris is Ovation Chris, and David is at Dave underscore Backwell. This has
1: been an Ovation Finance production. Thanks for listening to the Financial Wellbeing podcast. More interesting than you might think. Well, now, the moral of this story, boys, is don't go getting yourself killed. Be kind to your rich relatives. They might just put you in their will.